people have these notions that if I can just become like a multimillionaire by the age of 30, I can retire and then my life's all set. You know, people build these ideas that if I become super wealthy, then I'll be enough. Or if I become famous, I'll be enough. Or if I achieve this, I'll get this much validation or whatever it is. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Because right now, the Uncovered podcast is international. You know, we, we started <laughs> off just local in Sydney, but we're making it, you know, we're LA, New York now. So wherever you're listening around the world, good morning, good afternoon, good night, good evening. It's good to have you here. My yeah. name is Femi. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Uncovered podcast. Yeah. I'm with my great... And lovely co-host, Mr. Nicholas. How are you, sir? Wow, wow. You've never introduced me like that in a podcast ever. We've been running now for about two years. I, I don't know what's changed for me, but... Bro, I told you, we're international now. I can't be doing local boy stuff anymore. Like, it's going to change now. I'm an international podcast host. I've got international guests now, so... Yeah. That nice, international crazy. energy. It's crazy. Now you're right. You're right. And like we've been saying to Spotify and Apple, it's like, you know, up the budget. Run up the up. budget. Run the check. <laughs> Spotify needs to run the check, man. Like, if they want me to continue being nice in the intro, they need to, they need to come with seven figures. Minimum. <laughs> Minimum seven figures, man. That's it. That's it. Uh, awesome. Awesome. But look, we've got a really, really exciting guest that, you know, it's quite an honor for us to be able to have on the podcast. We're really, really excited to delve into his story. I'm not going to introduce you. But what I will say is that the guest that we have on our podcast right now is an actor, international keynote speaker, and an incredible mental health advocate. You might have seen him in Neighbours. You might have seen him in Dancing with the Stars. If you guys don't know by now, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm not going to introduce him, but let me proceed to introduce him. <laughs> no, I'm, that's what I was trying to figure out. How I'm going to do it. I'm like, oh, I get myself stuck. <laughs> that's why you don't do the intros, Nick. That's why you don't do the intros. We have the amazing Nick Brax. How are we, man? I'm good, thank you. And look, I'll say to, to that intro, I, anyone listening to this, um, I feel very sorry for them if they saw me on Dancing with the Stars because probably the worst <laughs> dancer in the history of that show. So, like, I feel for anyone who saw that. So um, <laughs> I, hope, I, hope, I really hope you didn't. And I think anyone that saw it probably has PTSD and they need <laughs> help from you guys. Listen to one of my talks, you know, let's try and help them out. Yeah. But, you know, th thank, thanks for having me on here. Man, thanks for being here. We really do appreciate it. And like we said, you know, you're in New York right now, which is amazing for us. That's why we're so grateful to be on Zoom and, you know, international, we're officially international podcast hosts, which is, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, life comes at you fast, Nick. Life comes at you very fast. So it's, it's a great <laughs> feeling. It's really, 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 we're really, really honored to have you on here, mate. So, but tell us a little bit more about what you do, because obviously Nick's intro didn't do it justice. But, you know, what, it was all right. It was all right. What do you do? What's your story? Where are you at? Yeah. So um, I guess the, the main two things I do is I work in the mental health well-being space and then in the entertainment industry pursuing acting. And um, I, I guess both of them I fell into. I'm, I'm actually from a business background and um, I, there's a whole backstory to it all. But sort of growing up, I grew up in a well-known family. My dad was a very well-known politician. I had my own 
issues with anxiety and overthinking and you know, a whole lot of things that happened. Um, and when I was in my early 20s, I was lost and off the rails and getting in trouble and um, eventually, and it became a big sort of media story in, in Victoria. Um, and eventually when I was working through that, I was on different reality shows and got asked to speak about it. And that led to uh, me becoming passionate to talk about mental health and getting asked to share my story and getting us to speak at schools. And uh, I'll just say, you know, by just sharing the story and talking openly and showing vulnerability, uh, how much it impacted and helped people. And uh, that really fueled that passion. And I just was doing them for free and kept doing them. And it eventually evolved into getting trained by different behavior change companies, uh, then bringing on my own team of psychologists and uh, wellness experts and running a seminar company and just evolving that um, into all the different things I, I do now. And I guess on the entertainment side, um, that stemmed from, you know, falling into modeling work, being on reality shows. And then uh, probably initially for the wrong reasons, I was, you know, young, naive and insecure at the time and um, didn't know who I was. And I was like, oh, I'm getting all this attention. Maybe I want to be an actor because then I can become famous and then people will love me. And then I got into acting and I found out, hang on, acting is really, really tough. And you got to get over your ego and you, you know, do all these different things. And I ended up just loving it for a personal development thing because it just made me come out of my shell and learn and grow. And um, I stuck to it for that reason. So um, that's a very abbreviated story. I'm happy to go into, you know, more detail on that, but um, I don't know how much, you know, you wanted me to talk about it, but that's in, in short how I got into the, you know, two things that I'm now doing. Yeah. And that's amazing because, it's really, really good to have another model on the on the show now, Nick. So it's good for the, the two of us to be here and really connect on that level. Um, three, three, three male models on here, man. Who's the third? Who's the third one? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like we, the, the thing about the like acting, modeling, all of these, all of these uh, industries, they can be very, you know. Your, like it can be very like personal and individual centric, which can obviously start to lead into your becoming a bit more self-critical, becoming your, your, your biggest critic. Did that ever stem into anything a little bit deeper and darker? Did you ever have your own battles with anxiety or depression or how did that kind of come about? And was it from that industry or was it just from the experience that you said in, from your childhood? Um, oh, that industry definitely fuels it for me. You know, my, my story was more, you know, went back a long way and I guess mine's probably a combination of nature and nurture. And, you know, as far back as I can remember as a very young kid, I was obsessive and overthinking and, you know, it came out in originally wanting to be in uh, a professional AFL player. And I was training at the age of 11 for six, seven hours a day and, you know, doing crazy things. It was like literally a addiction or obsession uh, and that developed into then uh, wanting to be a middle distance runner and um, burning myself out and stunting my growth and, you know, not developing in those years and then having all this, these problems. So it was this, this very long-winded thing that climaxed, you know, I guess once my body broke down and I finished school and I was so shy, I couldn't, you know, look someone in the eyes and have a conversation. And I just started abusing alcohol and using that to hide away. So there was a very long-winded journey for me. Um, Initially getting into the entertainment work, uh, I would say it definitely um, fueled that for all the reasons you're saying. And even now, I mean, it's a constant daily battle where you're um, questioning yourself and you do become really 
introspective and it, like you're saying, it's something where it's just about you, which can be pretty unhealthy because you can, you know, can fuel a lot of that kind of thinking and you see it so much. And I mean, I feel like I'm very fortunate that uh, I built, before I got into the entertainment work, really built my own career, um, running my own business and doing the mental health work and develop that passion. So that's been sort of the thing that, you know, I do all day, every day. And not only does it, you know, financially just keep me stable while I'm doing acting, but it gives me perspective and keeps me grounded while I'm doing it, um, which comes with its own challenges because then you've got to try and juggle two things and, you know, make them both work. But, um, you know, I see so many people in the entertainment world that are severely suffering. Um, and I, I don't think I've met one actor that hasn't had problems with anxiety and, you know, different issues because, how, you know, how could you not when, when it's just such a crazy industry? Even if you're getting a lot of work, it, it comes with so many ups and downs and uncertainty. And, you know, we could have a whole conversation just on, on that one industry. And it's, mm. you know, something I'm wanting to work more in and, you know, trying to build programs to help in that area um, because it's, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, a big issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the thing that I kind of noticed as, as you were making that transition from, you know, the business side of things to now into entertainment side of things is that you really seem like you built some solid foundations to allow you to be able to thrive in the environment that you're in. And not necessarily thrive, but to be able to kind of survive, pick yourself up. Because like Femi was saying, with any kind of industry, any kind of career that you take, there's always going to be those intrinsic challenges. There's always going to be that ability for you to be self-critical about yourself, judge yourself, you know, feel guilty, uh, you know, burn out potentially with the, with the particular career that you're doing. So with good solid foundation stuff that you were built is what's going to allow you to actually sustain that, not feel actually burnt out and let it get to a chronic state because those foundations were built at the start, which I think is really, really important um, that I've seen you do. I want to kind of take yeah. it back a little bit because I know that in your story, and I think that your story is very interesting, you know, battling with your depression and anxiety and, and, and everyone has their own kind of unique challenges and journeys when they're going through that process. So it presents very differently for people. But I know in the midst of all of that, like you were saying earlier, there was a, you, you were suffering from alcohol abuse um, that was potentially leading to a point of you actually killing yourself off the back of the abuse. Did you want to kind of delve into what that experience was like and how you overcame that? the listeners to be able to get a bit of perspective yeah sure so i um i hadn't actually touched alcohol till i was 19 and i think it was either 18 no or 18 almost just almost 19 and um because i was so single-minded on you know being an athlete and then when that all finished and i was lost i i discovered alcohol and started very quickly using just you know feeling that oh this makes me um get over be able to communicate with people because you know i, I was like I said, I was so shy. I was afraid of my own shadow and, you know, escape all the thinking. And um, it escalated very quickly and became a coping mechanism. And um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to talk about my emotions. I didn't, and I wasn't accepting help around me. Um, I started using it to, to escape. And I had such a fixed mindset that I couldn't be this professional athlete anymore that I'd built my whole psychology on since I was a very young kid. So if I couldn't do that, I thought, well, I don't care. There's no, I have no worth. There's no use for me in the future. I don't, I don't want to do anything else. I can't. That's the only thing I want to do. Um, and it just, you know, got worse and worse. Like, like anything, you know, in you, you spiral and um, it, you take it to more extreme levels. And you know, I had um, 
regularly was getting in pretty life-threatening incidents. And the worst one, um, I'd been, I'd crashed, been out drinking and come actually made it home, went for a drive with my best friend in the back of the car and had a really bad crash where, um, it was lucky that either of us made it out alive. So, um, it was a pretty extreme thing, um, became a very publicized event as well because my, you know, my dad was the premier of Victoria at the time. Um, so, you know, it was a, there was a lot of things that happened and, um, Probably, you know, again, you know, like a lot of people that speak from personal experience, it's really what's driven me to continue doing it. And it's why um, it's the most important part of my life, no matter what I do, no matter, you know, where I get to in life, I'll keep doing this for the rest of my life because I just know how important it is. And people need to hear this stuff. And, you know, even if it helps one person, one kid um, to maybe go and seek help or look into something or change their, you know, thinking, then it's worth doing because, you know, I would have avoided a lot of pain and suffering if I if I had that. Um, I'm fortunate that I got through it and I was lucky that I've had support around me and now am on a really, you know, positive path, but it could have gone the other way. And I know for a lot of people, it does go the other way. So it is, I just think it's so critical that um, we talk about this stuff and like the work you guys are doing, you know, help provide resources to um, to, to help people understand and, and learn and, you know, work through this kind of stuff. I got a question. It's a bit of a change of pace, but I'm, I'm really, really curious. What was it actually like growing up basically under the spotlight 24-7? Your whole life was under scrutiny. What was it really like? Because you hear about it from like child actors and people that are like, you know what I mean? Like what, what was it from your perspective like? And do you think that's what kind of triggered all of this stuff? Like I know I asked that question earlier from the yeah. perspective, but I want to know more so like what was it like growing up? Um, I think it was, like I said earlier, I think it was a combination of definitely that and how I am personally. So it was a bit of both, but it definitely did. And it, it's a it's a weird way to grow up. And I think um, because it was from when I was sort of 12 years old till my early 20s, you get known, you're known as, hey, you're um, Steve Brax's kid. I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm actually Nick. And you get told that so many times and eventually it got to a point where I'm just like, you know, seizing up and you're clenching your fist and you just like want to say to them, fuck, fuck you. I'm, I'm Nick. And you know, you, and then it, it led to extreme behavior of, okay, what do I have to do? I have to do something now bigger than my father to prove that I'm worthy because if I don't, they're just going to know me as the son of this person, um, which it's not true. And, you know, I'm lucky I've got amazing parents and there's no, the only pressure that's ever been put on me has been in my own head. Um, but it does feel that it makes you feel like, well, I need to do extreme things to justify my own existence because um, of the of, of that environment. I think it's a, it's a very common um, experience that anyone, you know, whether it's a famous parent, whether it's a highly successful parent, um, it's a common experience that people have. I think from from what I've from what I've heard and from people that I've spoken to. Yeah, for sure. Because I couldn't imagine, like, because <clears throat> we see it even at like much smaller scales, even at like school or in the area it's like oh your your big brother or your mom or your dad is really well known in the area and everyone's like oh you're john's little sister your your dad your da, da, da. and it starts yep. to take away from who you are and your identity which obviously yep. becomes an issue like you were saying in terms of trying to reinvent yourself in really extreme ways so how do you think that someone could combat that in terms of like if they are battling with their own yeah. identity issues like well what do they what do they do yeah, definitely. And, and just, yeah, to that point, as, as I said earlier, I mean, that's why 
I was initially acting out. And like I said, you know, I'm honest about it. I, I was, you know, when I was on these reality shows, I was so young and naive and, you know, didn't know who I was and I was getting all of this attention. I thought, this is amazing. You know, I'm getting this attention. Now people are valuing me. How do I get more famous? And, you know, I wanted to go down that path, which luckily that actually made me get into acting, which, you know, helped me in different ways and became something I'm passionate about. But what my advice on that would be really the same thing that um, the same advice I have in general in society, which is we need to be taught through parenting and early on, you know, through education, um, how to understand ourselves, how to develop emotional skills, how to, you know, all of that stuff, all the work that you guys do that I'm doing, um, this needs to be, this is not going to um, change long-term and be sustainable unless parents can be educated and that can change and they can be teaching this from, you know, day one. And schools can be, it can be actually, you know, embedded into curriculums and we get taught it. I think if that happens, then even if you are growing up in an environment like that or whatever else, you know, we're all going to deal with a million different things that um, we have to go through. Uh, we're going to be able to deal with it because at the core we'll be taught to understand who we are, give ourselves, you know, self-love um, and, you know, and know that we're unique and we don't need to prove anything to anyone else. So I think it really comes back to those fundamental things. I think it, which if you don't have those fundamentals, um, which most of us don't at a young age, then it can lead you down that path and, you know, you can spend a lifetime trying to, trying to undo it. Yeah, absolutely. And I really, really resonate with what you're saying because for myself personally, I really feel like, like with any form of change, especially going into the next generation, it all starts with our parents because a lot of the condition that our parents do, which is not always with the bad intention is actually doing more harm than what they believe to be good. And that's what's causing kids as they grow up and, you know, start socializing, doing school, doing all of these things to actually start to develop these insecurities and these challenges with self-worth. And I think that obviously the root of it starts from, you know, from a parental level, how we condition our children, how we love our children, how we teach them these skills. And I think that a lot of our listeners right now are going to go through that transition of going into becoming a parent, having their own children. And I guess this is a very prime time for us to be able to intervene and provide some level of support. So what do you feel then if for anybody that's going through that transition and is now becoming a new parent or new father, new mother, and they're going to start raising a kid, what do you think are some of the most fundamental kind of lessons or inputs that you think would be valuable for them to start teaching and embedding into their children? Yeah. And look, I, you know, I want to first of all say I'm not a parent and I know how hard it would be. So (laughs) um, I'm probably not the best person to give advice on that, but on this, you know, broader level, definitely my view on that is, um, you know, parenting, I think most parents have the the best intentions and parenting is hard and, you know, everyone's going to make mistakes and that's fine. Like in life, I think, there's one thing I would say, which applies again to every every area of life, is just to be honest and emotionally open and, and show and express that to, to the kids. I think a lot of the time parents will treat kids, um, you know, not not like a human. You know, they'll talk down to them or they won't reveal their own true thoughts or feelings about things or, you know, you get this disconnect because – and not because the parents are trying to do the wrong thing because they've been taught – you know, that old school mentality of you're meant to just um, push through things and you're meant to, you're not meant to express or whatever it is. So, you know, that's my personal view. And I think it's just being able to be really emotionally open, be honest with the kids, teach them to do it, teach them that it's okay to not have all the answers, okay to stuff up, teach the kids that, you know what, 
me as a parent, I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. You know, kids need to understand that as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I, I would think. Um, I'll wait and see when I become a parent. You know, who knows? I might royally stuff it up and who knows? But that's, that's what I'd be trying to do. Yeah. And when did you realise, because you've been through a lot, and I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So when did you realise that you wanted to really be an advocate? Like when was the when was the ticking? When was the like the, like the light bulb moment that this is the moment, this is the point? Obviously, you're saying like your experiences in your life and how you grew up is was the reason. But what was the moment and why? Um, it would have been. I think it was when I so I'd been through that sort of um, long period where I was off the rails and you know I, I was struggling and abusing alcohol. I dropped out of university. I was spent two years you know doing nothing, getting into trouble eventually and I was really at rock bottom you know almost catatonic not being able to get out of bed and went from that to going not having no idea what I wanted to do getting into this course at university and not wanting to do it but just forcing myself to do it and having to do all this public speaking where um we'd be talking in front of like five or ten people and I'd be literally like vomiting before I go and do them but I was getting through it and as I was developing through that I was starting to realize hang on I've been through this crazy journey and I'm starting to get myself back together. I'm learning through this experience. I really want to help other people. And, you know, again, I, just, I guess that whole period, the reason for me, because I've always been a passionate person and need to, you know, have meaning and purpose. Otherwise I just find it very hard. Um, and I, that was why I was acting out as well. I didn't know what my meaning or purpose was. And that started to really develop inside of me. And it was probably during that course that, I really started to look into it and think, hang on, I really, I want to get, I want to help. And I started volunteering with Beyond Blue and Headspace and different organizations and straight out of university, um, as I had sort of gotten over this public speaking um, uh, obstacle that I had where I was so, you know, terrified of doing it, I got asked to go on um, Dancing with the Stars and that was sort of the perfect vehicle, really. I, was, I almost said no to doing it because I was so terrified of, you know, I just got over this fear of speaking and now you've got to dance on TV and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the reason I really wanted to do it was because I got to work with a charity, which was Beyond Blue at the time and raise awareness for them. And, you know, it, it was a vehicle for me to go and, and do that and then start getting asked to talk about it. And, and it sort of all built from there. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the turning point of, you know, when that happened um, for me. Amazing. That's awesome. Bro. That's honestly awesome. I think that more people need to use their platform and use whatever platform. And I think I've mentioned this before in terms of like everybody has a platform, whether you've got three friends and a cat or you've got a hundred thousand followers on Facebook, it does on Instagram. It doesn't really matter. Everyone's got a platform. And I think it's important to use your platform for good um, and really, really encourage people and, and, and promote that message. Because if we don't, then, it become, the world becomes a very lonely place, a very, very lonely place where we don't, we're not sure that we have the options to be able to get out of the dark spots that we're in. So I think that's, I think that's so sick. I think that's really, really cool. Um, for sure. For cool. sure. What do? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What we're going to do, we'll do a quick little break. Um, you know, pay some bills, get, <laughs> get, uh, get, hear a word from our sponsors. And then we'll be back with more Nick Brax and we'll get popping from there. If you're going through a tough time and you're looking for some support, maybe a podcast is not the best place for you. Yeah, exactly. 
And mental can be a bit tricky and support should always be personalized. So we created the Recharge program to do exactly that. So the Recharge program is your one-stop shop for all things mental health support. It's an online program that allows you to have the best and most experienced clinical experts at your fingertips without the intimidating kind of setting of a clinical approach. Exactly. So this is how it works. We match you up with the best counsellor for your needs. You get one-to-one time with your own mental health nurse, over 200 plus minutes of content, weekly workshops with us, and guest experts in different fields such as emotional eating, anger management, addiction, and more. So usually this will cost an arm and a leg, but we've worked really hard to give you payment options for as cheap as about 30 bucks a week. So if this resonates with you, jump onto rechargewellness.com.au and click get started to talk to our team and see if this is right for you. So that's rechargewellness.com.au. Uh, cool, Nick. So like, obviously, as you mentioned to us at the start, you've, you've had your own challenges and now you've gone on incredible things. You've overcome a lot of your fear and challenges that were associated. What do you think people can do that are in the similar boats um, with the particular challenges, challenges with their identity or they're wanting to do bigger things, but they're, you know, they're quite anxious, nervous, and they don't know how to overcome that fear or then obstacles. How do you think, what do you think are some of the first steps that can be helpful for people to really overcome those challenges? Yeah, I think it's a really important question and um, people need to understand that. I mean, the one thing I always say that people should not do is nothing, you know, do something. Um, and that could be, and, and, you know, I know, like I told a bit of my story earlier, like I was, I was pushing help away and I didn't know where to go. And so it can be really confronting if you haven't talked about this stuff before or you don't know what to do. It can be overwhelming. Um, so understand that there's a, a lot of different ways to do it. You know, you could go on to uh, Google and just type in free mental health helpline and go and anonymously call someone and that will then, you know, open up the first step. And it's always, I think the hardest thing is always taking that first step when you really are struggling. Once you do that, you realise that it's not that big of a deal and it's just, you know, it's something that, most people go through to some degree and there's ways to process it. And I think that's a big part of it. People understanding that, um, you know, as a human, we're going to have emotional problems and we're going to have physical problems and there's no difference. And, you know, it's like saying to someone, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go through my entire life and never have anything physically go wrong with me. It's like, well, I don't think there's any human on the planet that's ever had that happen. Uh, I don't think there's also any human on the planet that's ever not had an emotional issue throughout the course of a lifetime. It's part of the human experience and it's completely fine. It just hasn't been talked about as much. So I think, you know, people need to understand that. Um, And then it's such a complicated area that people need to understand there's no one size fits all. You know, Um, it might be for one person that a psychologist works or a psychiatrist It might be uh, that just talking to someone is is what they needed and then they're able to work through it. It might be that they need a combination of different things or they need to, you know, implement daily, you know, habits into their lifestyle. For me, it's been, you know, a combination of a lot of things, but the sustainable things have been what I've learned through trial and error by, you know, gratitude, journaling, exercising every day. Um, I've been doing uh, transcendental meditation for the last 10 years, um, talking about it, you know, having, I've got, you know, a handful of people that I can talk to 24 seven pretty much that I trust and um, you know, having those really, really, really strong um, real relationships, things like that um, for me have been, you know, incredibly important. So I'll just say, you know, it's like being realizing that there's, there is help out there um, and it, it takes daily, you know, work to, to work on this stuff, but like anything, there's, there's a solution if you want to seek it. 
Yeah. Mm. And it's very powerful going back to the first point when you were saying taking that first step, because like you said, mental health is a very, very complex area. There's so many different factors that attribute to how people's mental health are impacted. And I think that a lot of the times, even myself personally, we can get caught up in trying to find the, the right support to solve this right issue. But because it's so, there's so many things that I could potentially do that it becomes overwhelming that I don't do anything at all. And sometimes we don't even actually know what yeah. to do. And I think that it's really powerful, like you were saying, to just reach out to somebody, speak to any mental health professional, any mental health nurse, any clinician, any psychologist, anybody. And even if you've called the incorrect line, they will be able to guide you to the most appropriate service to be able to support you with your situation. And I think that's the most important part to be able to reach out, get guided, understand that you might not know what you're doing right now, but you're going to be taken to the right place is really, really foundational. And like you were saying, it's trial and error. Not one service is always going to work for you. Sometimes it's a combination of doing multiple different things. Maybe what a psychologist says to you doesn't really work for you and you need to trial something else. But it's that ability to be able to find what works for you because you are your own guru in this process. You're the only one that knows yourself better than anybody, any professional. But being able to be guided and supported through that process is, is what's going to make all the difference. And I really love that sustainable approach and, and taking that first step. I think it's really powerful for, for anyone that's listening in the audience. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I guess that's like sort of with, you know, Move Your Mind is the name of my, my organisation and it's all about, um, you know, we do school and corporate programs and, and the core of it really is what you're saying there and what I was talking about with um, trying to give people just tools to make sustainable daily changes and in a very practical and um, simple way because um, that's what I've seen so much that people you know there's so much good information out there there's great resources there's great reactive resources that's all really really important but what people are not armed with is the actual tools of how can i actually make a long-term change and do stuff daily because people will you know get it or even if you just look at you know the i don't know fitness and diet programs out there these you know six-week program and do this and you know you're going to get what a, you know, whatever the hell the marketing is, get a six pack in six weeks and, you know, change your life or whatever. They're normally not sustainable because you, you know, you, you're motivating people or it's like, if you go to like one of those motivational seminars, you know, let's jump up and chant and, you know, make you feel amazing. You, you're going to change your life. And then they feel great and they leave and they're like, what the hell do I do now? I feel depressed again. It's like teaching people that it's the, the really small things, you know, it might be just meditating for five minutes every day. And just doing that for the first month and then get, getting up to 10 minutes and, you know, taking it one step at a time. But I think that's the disconnect. And especially in this day and age where, um, you know, attention spans are so low, we all want instant gratification. We're all comparing ourselves to all the other, you know, fake stuff that's out there um, rather than just doing, you know, like little things every day that are going to help us. I think it's, it's so important. It's the, the biggest thing that I, you know, push for in, in what I'm doing with you know, in my work in this area. And that's amazing. I think that people really need to hear that because there's so much overwhelm and information overload in the world. People don't know what to do. Like they don't even know where to start. They don't know that the starting point is starting. You know, like having those yeah. unavailable first steps that we talk about. Like we even speak it with even with our clients as well, is like the unfailable first steps is what we need to do. So like if you want to start, if you want to work towards you know, running a marathon, the first unfailable step could be 
putting your shoes next to your bed before you go to bed. That way, when you wake up, you're motivated to you. You might want to put them on and go to go to, go for a run. And it's not the act of actually going for a run that's the first step. It's just the putting the shoes there. That's the yep. first step. And then building on that, then putting them on, then going to the front door, then going for a walk around the around your block, then building up. Because once once you start to do that, it's not going to be such a shock to the system. And it's not this big overwhelming process. It's just like, oh, well, I put my shoes on yesterday. I can, of course I can, you know, put on my my jeans. I mean, put on my my trackies or put on my 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 jacket, whatever it is. Of course I can go for a walk. And building up from that, and it's like there's there's a process to this. So I think that people need to understand that. Otherwise, they're going to get really bogged down with over like analysis paralysis. For sure, you know, and that's what anxiety is, isn't it? And I mean, I I I still get caught up in in that. And I had it actually when I was moving over um, over here, and it was during during COVID, and I was scared, and I was like, God, you know, am I making the right decision? Everyone's telling me not to do it, and you're thinking about it, and you build up so much fear. But then when you actually when it, the act of actually doing it, you're like, you're only ever really doing one thing at a time. And you're like, hang on, this isn't really that scary. All this stuff that I've built up in my head. And, and I think everyone has experienced that. Like exactly what you're saying, we make things sound so hard and overwhelming because we think about going from point zero to point 100 rather than just realizing that all we can ever do is one thing at a time. And if you only ever think about the next step in front of you, then it's not, it's actually quite easy and simple. It's just put one foot forward and the rest will unfold if you keep doing that. And it's very hard to do. I mean, I, I, I talk about it and I encourage other people to provide resources for people to do it. I try and do it on myself, but I fall in and out of that and I get overwhelmed and, you know, I'm ambitious. So I'm always looking forward and then I'll think, you know, you put too much pressure on yourself and it's, it's very hard to like calibrate that on a regular basis. I think it takes a lot of like daily work and, you know, reeling yourself back in to do it. Yeah. And you do. Sorry, Nick. Yeah. So what were we going to say, Nick? So no, I was going to add on to Nick's point. And I think that like the big part of it is coming down to that awareness about like, when I take that first step and I might be kicking up momentum or I might be taking on too much because I've got so much motivation. I think I can take on the world, the world, being able to really be able to slow down and realize like, okay, wow, this is too much now. And then being able to pull yourself back and then start the process over again is really, really essential because we don't realize the power of our thoughts and our mind that, and what it actually does to us, not even just from a psychological level, but from a physical level. Like there's so much physical sensations that we experience off the back of overwhelm, stress and anxiety. So having the awareness when you're taking that first step and then being able to pull yourself back is what's always going to be the journey. It never becomes a process where you've completely mastered it and now you no longer need to do it and go through those steps. You're always continuously doing the same thing, doing the same thing. Oops, you know, I hit a hurdle, pull myself back, do the same thing, do the same thing for the rest of our life. And that's kind of how the journey works. It's a perpetual thing. Exactly, exactly. And no, I love that. Yeah, and it's so true. And it's like, and in not just in this area, whatever we're doing in life, that's what it is. And people have these notions that, you know, um, I, I need to just, if I could just become like a, a multimillionaire by the age of 30, I can retire and then my life's all set. Um, or whatever it is, you know, people build these ideas that if I become super wealthy, then I'll be enough. Or if I become famous, I'll be enough. Or if I achieve this, I'll get this much validation or whatever it is. And that's not the answer. It's not the answer is like, we all want to have success, but the answer is not actually in the success. It's in the daily work. And 
there is no endpoint to anything. If, if we're looking at things categorically like that, we're always going to be, you know, um, dissati- we're going to leave dissatisfied because you'll get on a high, then you'll be on a low and you'll be chasing things for the wrong reasons. It comes back to that, you know, internal thing. And um, I think the other part of that is like what you were talking about there, which made me think about it um, because I'm, I guess my biggest thing is I'm, you know, I've put so much pressure on myself in the past that I started realizing, um, you know, you've got to listen to yourself and it's okay to, you know, even when you are advocating for this stuff and trying to do it, it's okay to not to have a bad day and be like, you know what, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do it. I don't, I'm, I'm struggling today. I'm going to li- like really listening to yourself. If you're feeling tired or burnt out or overwhelmed, take a break. Don't feel, you don't have to feel guilty about it. I think it's so important that we listen to ourselves and it's again, hard to do when you're trying to just look at what the other person is doing or compete. You've got to really re- remind yourself that we're all on our own journey. It doesn't matter, you know, what anyone else is doing. It's about what, what we're feeling and what's going to be healthy for us. Yeah. And you make that, you speak about this a lot and you're trying to make mental health a very mainstream conversation in general. Right. So is this something that you talk about? So you have your own podcast. Is that what you predominantly speak about on your podcast? Yeah. So I, um, I've got my own podcast. So sort of, I've, I've, I guess, like I was saying earlier, I've been doing talks and programs and, I started the podcast last year called Move Your Mind. Um, and now we've, everything I'm doing is under that, that name. So the programs and, you know, we've got digital learning programs. I do talks. Um, we've got the podcast um, all under that sort of banner. But, yeah, the podcast is just interviewing um, wellness experts or um, well-known people and talking to them about, hey, I want to hear – a real, I want to hear, you know, the honest sort of stories about what have you been through? What hardships have you had? How did you do, what did you learn from that? Um, And ultimately exactly what you said, actually, like you sort of pinpointed what I'm trying to do with this stuff, which is, you know, an ambitious long-term goal, but I really want to combine, uh, I don't know if entertainment's the right word, but um, I guess, you know, something in that realm, entertainment with mental health, where eventually I can be, you know, getting A-list celebrities, um, to interview them and have these really raw conversations and, you know, push that out everywhere and just get, I want to just get this stuff as mainstream as possible to just show people that, um, you know, everyone goes through it and it's okay. Mm. 100%, 100%. And I think that once we're able to break that cycle, we're able to allow people to be vulnerable because a lot of the time we look up to people that are like, oh, they're perfect. They never go through these things. Why is it that I'm going through these things? Or there must be something wrong with me. And that's what spirals down to that, uh, that realm of depression, which then leads to suicide, um, suicide if we're not careful. So been us being able to kind of really just allow people, people that we look up to, people that um, we think can never go through these issues, actually going through these challenges and knowing that I can still make it through on the other side. Like even yourself, Nick, with the pressure of having your father as a, as a premier, doing what you're doing now, it's, it's really motivational and inspiring to a lot of people listening that we have the same kind of ambitions and goals that you have, knowing that we can come out of that as well. If we just continue to do the right steps, we take that first step and we're really proactive with our mental health and we're really ambitious about it, then there's so much incredible things that can happen. And I think that that's powerful. Your podcast is the exact same mission that we have as well. And if we're all collaborating together with this same kind of for this social cause, then there's going to be incredible things that happen. Absolutely. And, you know, the point you made, if everyone could just be 
more open and vulnerable, the world would be a much easier place. And I've noticed that, you know, being in New York, it's been interesting because it's so competitive over here and you meet, I mean, there's obviously a lot of amazing people, but there's also a lot of people that are very much about, you know, just putting on a front, trying to compete, trying to, um, you know, there's no vulnerability shown and, and it's kind of hard. You're meeting people and it's like very, very much about what can I get out of you? And if I, if I don't see you, you as a utility to get what I want, then you're not worth anything to me. And, you know, there's those facades, which you really see it, you see it, you know, and, and um, as you said earlier, if we're not aware of this stuff and we don't, you know, make a proper effort to, you know, really work on that, that can lead to really bad things if you get caught up in it because you, you can really spiral and um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. 100%, 100%. Um, and I love your mission. You've got our 100% support. And I think that if we all work on this together, like we're, we're paving the way for massive change. So I've really had, a, I really, really enjoyed this podcast. I think it was really fan, fan, sens- sensational. And I think a lot of the people that are listening are going to get a lot of value from this. If people want to kind of get to know a bit more of the work that you're doing, and uh, I know that you were talking about earlier, there's some exciting news that's happening that's going to bring you down under sometime soon. Where can people kind of get to follow you and be part of your journey and what it is that you're doing yeah so um i guess the easiest is if they go just to nickbrax.com um that that'll have links to my podcast and um we've also got links to the the courses on the, on that site um so yeah that's probably the easiest also my instagram which is just nickbrax um and then i've got yeah i do have a book coming out later in the year um called move your mind i i think it might be actually available for pre-order so if people want to have a look i'm not sure um i think if you type it into um into google or i can you know send you guys a link um so that's another you know if they want to look at that um for what that that'll be released in august um this year amazing amazing yeah definitely pass with a link and we can include that in the show notes so if anybody wants to get amongst that you know pre-order their book definitely check the show notes at the end of this podcast but Aside from that, I think it's been great having you on this podcast, Nick. Thanks for doing this, even though you're all the way in New York and it's probably like, what is it, like 8 p.m. on your side at the moment. So really love the work that you're doing. Massive fans. And if you guys need anything, you know where to reach out to us and everything at Nick and Femi. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Uncovered Podcast with Nick and Femi. Thanks for having me. Peace.